for a subheading on today. Let's talk about acquitted, acquitted. And I do want to get back to dealing with the finished work of Jesus, but we kind of segue into something on last week, and I want to bring greater clarity to that. Hebrews 10, 23. Let's read our foundational scripture. Now, I, I want to say this. We're not being superfluous or pleonastic or redundant, if you will, by repeating the same verses continuously week after week. One of the things we have to understand is this repetition is by design. You cannot uproot the wrong indoctrination or wrong beliefs in a couple of 45 minute sessions. So, it, you know, the word of God declares that the word of God is like a hammer and it breaks the rock into pieces or the most rigid mindsets into pieces. So uh, then again, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the declaration of the word of God. So as we hear the word of God, it strengthens our convictions, our beliefs, our persuasions in God. Hebrews 10, 23. This is our foundation of scripture for this teaching. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Again, now I'm going to escalate this a little bit. We know by now that that word profession in the Greek, it is the word homologia. It means agreement. It means confession. It's to say the same as. It's to say in harmony with, to say together. It's a conclusion embraced by a common profession or affirmation. In other words, it's saying as a believer, it's declaring the same thing about your situations, your circumstances, yourselves, that which God has said about. It's coming into harmony with God. It's agreeing with the word. It's saying what the word says. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word what that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Now, something else important to note here, that word, and we already know the context in which the writer was writing to the Hebrews. Go back to the previous sessions to get that information. But we know by now that that word homologia, it refers to a collective agreement. Someone say collective. collective. Collective agreement of believers about what God loves and hates. And they have the courage to proclaim it or the conviction to live it out. In other words, when you are in agreement with God. You love what he loves and you hate what he hates. So this is not a doctrine of living lawlessly. No, the, the mere fact that you agree with the word of God, you're going to walk the way that he desires you walk. You love what he loves. You hate what he hates. You like what he likes and you dislike what he dislikes. This goes along uh, with James. When James talked about faith without works is dead, we've already discovered uh, the, the context in which James was saying that James was emphasizing the point that genuine faith in Christ will produce a changed life of good works. In other words, when you are a believer, when I have that in-birth persuasion, my life will be a witness or a reflection that Jesus is Lord of my life. So guess what? 
There's going to be works. There's going to be fruits of that. Not a work to be justified, but there's going to be good deeds following the life of the believer. We said that this word faith, it is a Greek word pistis, which simply means convictions, persuasion, belief. Someone say conviction, Conviction. persuasion, Persuasion. beliefs. Now, we've also learned that the, the more you hear this word. Now, watch this. It convicts you. It persuades you. It strengthens your beliefs. Now, we've, we've learned throughout this teaching that faith for the believer now is always a gift from God, and it's not something that could be produced by the believer. We said that that word pistis, it is a God's divine persuasion, God's divine conviction, beliefs, and it's distinct from human confidence, yet involved in it. What do you mean distinct but yet involved? In other words, When we hear the word, when God persuades us, we now take our confidence and put our confidence in what he has said. (laughs) We we we, this is where your faith comes in. Your faith comes in by putting your faith in Jesus. Your faith comes in by coming into agreement with what God has declared. And we see in Romans 12, 3 that God has allotted us faith. We've seen in Hebrews 12, 2, that Jesus is the author and what? Finisher of our faith. We've seen in Galatians 2, 20. Listen what the Apostle Paul was saying. He said, my life, my new life is empowered, watch this, by the faith of the Son of God. It is a faith that relies on the faith of Jesus. Are you here? So you have to get this because we have been dealing in this area for a while because of what we have been assumed or presumed faith is or what faith is. We've been taught from the idea that there's something that we have to do that's beyond believing or more than coming into agreement with God to be right in the eyes of God. And as I've stated in times past, there's never been a time where we were to be Without trust in God, we have always been called to be dependent on God. Now, we've learned this, and I, I want to listen to this now. So we're talking about being acquitted. This is all important. Notice faith, convictions, beliefs, persuasions. If your beliefs are wrong, and I can't stress this enough, then you are going to approach God on the wrong basis. And blessings aren't manifested because you are sincere. Blessings are manifested, promises are manifested, manifested because you agree with God. Not because you've been saved since your youth. Not because you grew up, as they say in church. Blessings are manifested when you come into agreement with God. In the old covenant, the accretion, the procuring of things or the attainment of promises in the old covenant, watch this, was based upon keeping the law. I need to repeat this. This is found in Deuteronomy 28. 
If you do this, I'll make you head not tail. If you do that, you, you, you'll be the land of not If you do that, I will bless you in the city of blessing. If you do this, all these blessings will come upon you. Then it goes at the later portion of that. It talks about how if you don't, all these curses will come upon you. So under the old covenant, it was a performance-based being that I have faith in God that if I do all of these demands, if I keep these demands, then I will be justified. Are you here? And if not, these things will come upon you. Well, Jesus, as we discovered when he was on the cross and declared to Telestai, it is finished. You are now back in right relation with God. It's no longer based on what you do. It's based on you believing that what I did settled the matter on your behalf. You've been acquitted. So the accretion, the obtainment, watch this, of the old covenant was based upon your keeping the law. I'm giving you a nugget. Your acquisition of New Testament promises is received or based upon your you speaking the law. So one was by keeping the new covenant is by speaking ah, or agreeing. The law just simply means God's word, his command, his instruction, his instruction. So the old covenant, the old covenant was by doing. This one is by speaking. That's why the word of God tells us that whatever you bind, whatever you tie on earth with your words will be tied in heaven. And whatever you loose with your mouth will be loosed ah, from heaven. Again, well, how do you say that? Because Jesus, he became the curse for you. We've, this is, I think, message number eight. Go back. Start at message one. Listen, hold fast to your agreement, your profession, faith, saying the same thing that God said. Are y'all here? So, so the new covenant, the way you get, listen, it's not about be good. We, we've already established the fact that I love what God loves and I hate what God hates when I'm in covenant relationship with him. But the way we get our promised blessings, those blessings that have, that those blessings that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Well, how do I get those to come down? You get them to come down by lining your words up with the words of Jesus. You get them by saying what God has said. So again, the old covenant was based upon uh, keeping. The new covenant is based upon speaking. That if you shall confess, say. <laughs> Let me show you something. Am I yelling? Galatians 3, 13. I want to show you something. This is good already. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. Rescued. 
when he hung on the cross, he took upon himself what? The curse for our wrongdoing. I'm going somewhere here. He took, do you see this? Upon himself. The curse for our wrongdoings. He took upon himself when you act up, when you, quote unquote, aren't right like you're supposed to be, what you should have gotten or what you should receive, you I'm not saying there are no consequences, but what you really deserve, you don't get because Jesus took that. My God. Listen, there's, look, look. If, if he took the curse for me, I don't have to be cursed. Matter of fact, you are not cursed. But he took upon himself the curse for our own doings. For it is written in the scriptures, curses everyone who what? Hung on the tree. So remember now, who took it? Jesus. Christ. Now, faith, again, has to do with how one believes. The problem has been trying to get a guilt-conscious, condemned, misinformed believer to have faith in God. (laughs) So we start talking about faith when we haven't dealt with the misinformation or wrong information or the wrong indoctrination so people don't believe God or they want to believe God, but they approach him out of guilt, out of condemnation, and having been misinformed. God told me, how about us? So they don't think they qualify because of what they did last night. See, again, that puts me back under keeping. Live right, do right, but they're manifested by you believing. You got to get this. You'll be amazed of the believers that, and I submit to you, a lot of people become atheists based upon what they heard about God or they were told God did this or God has gotten such a bad name from a lot of believers that why would they want to believe in a God who would do that? He's not the creator of evil. Are you here? Listen to this. We've been liberated, acquitted by Christ. I'm going to show you something. Earlier part of the week, I was at Holy Spirit, and I'm going to share this with especially preachers. Stop. This is what Holy Spirit said. We have to stop telling people that Christ set them free only to turn around and preach them right back into bondage. So on one end, we're saying, Jesus set you free. Then on the, uh, out of the same mouth, we preach them back into bondage. Blessings and curses should come out of the same mouth. So either we're free, either we're justified, either we're declared not guilty. Let me stop yelling. 
So we have to stop telling people, which I don't do it, stop telling people that Christ has set them free, then out of the same mouth, turn around and preach them back into bondage. He healed you. Well, you know he had to put this sickness on you so you can straighten up. So what are they to believe? And if God is doing all this damage, what is Satan doing? Are you here? God is good. His light. There's no darkness in him at all. Now, last week we discussed resting in the finished work of Jesus, and we segued way into uh, this topic, if you will. God is not testing or afflicting you in order to get you right. As believers, we're already right with God. You've been made right by virtue of Jesus. We've seen in James 1.13 that when you've been tested or tempted, don't say God is doing it. For God does not tempt anyone with evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Are you with me? Now, again, will you say this? I have been acquitted through the finished work of Jesus. Now, will things try to come against you in order to disrupt your faith? Absolutely. Will there be persecutions and troubles that would challenge your confidence and beliefs in God? Absolutely. Do I need to be tested in order to have a testimony? Absolutely not. Now, you can have a testimony, but you don't have to be tested in order to have a testimony. Where is that scripture? And they'll test, no testimony, and people are putting us, trying to put you right back in. You got to qualify or measure up to be approved by God. I submit to you <laughs> that most doctors, lawyers, psychiatrists, psychologists, uh, those who you put trust in to help you get deliverance, have never experienced, nothing wrong with that, has never experienced what you are presently going through. The doctor that's performing the surgery, have you asked him, have you dealt with this? Because you, you, you can't really help me if you haven't been, if you haven't been in dealing with, if you haven't dealt with stage four cancer. The, the psychologist, the psychiatrist, psychiatrist just, just trying to figure, pick your psychosis, pick your brains. Have you asked them, listen, have you been raped? Have you been molested? Have you been left to, 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 to left outside? Have you been given over to the wolves? Have you dealt with it what, what I've dealt with? Well, if you haven't dealt with that, how can you help me? Where's your test? Are you here? But you trust them based on their knowledge, based on their study, based on their information that perhaps based upon what they've seen, what has been experienced, they know something. Well, it's the same thing. You, but based on your knowledge, 
your information of the word. I don't have to go through it because Jesus settled it for me. And let me give you a nugget. Jesus is your testimony. Jesus is your let me show you. He's your testimony. Listen, the critical blow to Satan came when the lamb, that's Jesus Christ, shed his blood for our sins. We overcame by the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. What, what is the testimony? What he did, what he accomplished, what he the testimony of Jesus are the words of Christ. It's what Jesus has revealed. It's what Jesus has declared. That is your testimony. Ah. Oh. You don't have to have it. You don't have to be someone who was addicted to crack cocaine to have a testimony and share with somebody that this it's something that you don't need to participate in. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Why? Because there's a power <laughs> greater than that substance. His name is Jesus. Why? Because of the information. <laughs> that word testimony, it also means evidence, witness. And, I, and I've declared to you in weeks past, every prophecy that was prophesied about Jesus, it has been witnessed. <laughs> Are you here? He has, his, repu his reputation speaks for itself. And our testimony is based on his reputation. God mighty. Let me show you something. Now, this all came from what we talked about last week. Just now. Don't you dare twist my words. Would, I don't, would God allow you to go through, through certain things? Absolutely. The, the argument is, does he have to inflict you with pain and turmoil? Watch this. If, we, if he's putting us through those things, we are back under the old covenant of trying to keep something to be right before God. You're saying, I have to do all of this to measure up. Can you learn through things? Absolutely, yes. My point is, let's stop saying everything that's bad, everything that's negative, everything that's almost putting you near death is God trying to get you right. Don't believe that devil another day. Isaiah 53, 5. Look at this. But he was wounded. For your sins, transgressions. He was crushed or bruised for our wickedness, iniquities. What, what? Our sin, our injustice, our wrongdoing. He was crushed for your sin, for your injustice, for your wrongdoing. He was crushed for your sin, for your injustice, for your wrongdoing. He was crushed. The punishment or the chastisement required for our well-being or for our peace. Listen. The punishment or the chastisement in order for you to have peace fell on Jesus. Yes, oh, boy. Yes, and by his 
stripes, his wounds, we are what? Healed. Notice it says the punishment or chastisement. That word in Hebrew is the Hebrew word musar, and it simply means the discipline, the chastening, the correction that was due on, that we really deserve. He took it on. Oh, man. Well, pastor, Hebrews tells us, it tells us that the Lord chasing those he loved, it certainly does say that. Let's look at it. Hebrews 12 and 6. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son he accepts. I think that the, the traditional word uses the word scourges, which it literally means to correct or to chastise. Okay? Scourges. Here, it means to chastise or to correct. Are you guys here? So chastisement, it means to discipline. This word here also means to educate or to instruct by training. So the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and instructs through training. He educates through training. He disciplines through training every son he accepts. You want to know? Now, no, nowhere in the scripture does it suggest him inflicting you, killing your children, killing your family members, killing whoever. Again, Jesus is your testimony. You don't have to, to experience extreme poverty to have a testimony. Why? Because he became poor on the cross for your sake that through his poverty you might become rich. So you don't have to experience. Can you have a testimony by overcoming certain ailments? Absolutely. But does God have to inflict you with that? No. That's the point. Why? Because I've been healed by his stripes, and that is my testimony. Are you here? So we know here, this punishment is not as in God afflicting you, right here where it says chastise. Are you here? Let's just use some logic. 1 Corinthians 6.19 tells us that your body is the temple of Holy Spirit who dwells in you. So it also says we're no longer our own. So if my body is his body, why would he inflict harm on his own body? A house divided cannot stand. So why would God hurt himself in order to bring about your awareness of a situation? Let me show you something. Romans 5, 8, and 9. Listen. But Christ proved God's pa God is passionately in love with you. But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were lost and ungodly. Listen. He loved you when you was a heathen. So how much more do you think he loves you now? And there is still much more to say of his unfailing love for us. 
For through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration. You are now righteous in my sight. Do you see this? So once you come into covenant relationship with Jesus, once you are born from above, a new creation, you are now righteous in God's eyes. So why does he have to break you in order for you to be right? You're already right. Are there things that we can mature in and grow in? Yes. Am I already righteous? Yes. You are not your indiscretion, sir, ma'am. You are now righteous in my sight. And because of the sacrifice of who? Jesus. You will never experience the wrath of God. And this word punishment or wrath here refers to our deliverance from the consequences of sin. So when you miss the mark, you are not going to notice it says you will never experience the wrath. So what you should get, you don't get because of what you might get something, but you definitely don't get what you should have gotten. Boy, I know this is hard to swallow, but let's look at the word. Matter of fact, look at verse one in the same chapter. Therefore, since we have been justified, that is acquitted of sin, declared blameless before God. By faith, believing, let us see, I have grasped the fact a long time ago. that The Lord made me righteous and righteous is who I am. And I'm going to do my best every day to walk upright. If I miss it, I'm still righteous. Watch this. And because I love God and because I am in agreement and fully persuaded of what he has delivered, I'm going to love what he loves and hate what he hates. Let us grasp the fact we have preached with God and the, we have, I'm sorry, we have peace with God. So you have peace with God and the joy of reconciliation with him through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Let me show you something. Let me help you. You're not close. Would you like to know what God uses to correct you? Who wants to know what God uses? No, nobody wants to know. You, you, you like to beat down. You like, you like being whipped up one side, down the other. And sometimes you wonder why people don't want to serve the true and living God because of what they've been, the lies that have been purported in reference to him. Would you like to know? He uses his word. He uses his word. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God-breathed, given by divine inspiration, and is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin. You know what he used to convict you? His word reminds you of who you are in him. For Correction 
of error and restoration to. He uses his word for correction of error, for conviction of sin. What? For training in righteousness, learning how to live in conformity to God's will. Let me, let me tell you something. That's just like having a child. If you beat that child and scold that child and near kill that child every time that child makes a, 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 has an indiscretion, trust you me, they're not going to draw closer to you. You're running them away. And people have been ran away from the kingdom because of lies. Contortion of scripture. Now, you've heard me say, yet yeah, persecution things going to come. I'm saying let's stop putting every bad thing on God. Learn to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately, behaving honorably with personal integrity and more moral and uh, courage. How does he use it? Scripture. Now, listen to this. Now, watch this. God doesn't always necessarily remove the natural consequences of sin when we repent. Just say, if you go out here and rob a bank, listen, there's consequences behind that. God might, you might find favor and do no time, but if you have to do 15 years, you can say, hey, have a ministry, jail ministry. If you go out here and, and have an indiscretion and have uh, intercourse without protection and catch an STI, yeah, God forgave you, but that still doesn't negate the fact that there, you run the risk of catching something. That's the point. Now, he can use those consequences as tools to teach you. See, now you should have stayed where I told you to stay. Okay, never, never mind. Let, let, let's end with this. <laughs> uh, Romans 5, 17, 19. Will you say this? I have been acquitted. Watch this. Romans 5, 17. Death once held us in its grip. And by the blunder of one man, death reigned as king over humanity. But now, how much more are we held, do you see this, in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life, enjoying our, our regal or kingly freedom through the gift of what? Perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus the Messiah. In other words, just as condemnation came upon all people through one transgression, so through one righteous act of Jesus' sacrifice, the perfect righteousness that makes us right with God and leads us to a victorious life now available to all. Notice, because of what Jesus did, there is a perfect righteousness that makes us right with God. One man's disobedience opened the door for all humanity to become sinners. So also by one man's obedience, the door for many. So also by one man's disobedience, 
the door for many to be made perfectly right with God, what? And acceptable to him based upon what Jesus did. See, we've been dealing with the belief system because, listen, there's, you're not going to speak this word and stand in agreement if there are beliefs that stand in your way from receiving the truth of God's word. Write this down. That word righteous here in this passage, it's the Greek word dikaiosis. Dikaiosis. It means the act of pronouncing righteous. Acquittal. Justifying. Justification. It's a process of absolution. What do you mean? Freeing one from guilt and blame. Wow. This word also means justification or divine approval. Emphasizing Christ's full payment of debt for sin. Watch this. Which liberates the believer from all divine condemnation. That word righteousness. Are y'all here? Decalces, listen to this, focuses on the acquitted penalty receiving Christ. That is a person, this is what it says. It says, a person is removed from external condemnation to being divinely pardoned at, con- at conversion. So at that moment, you receive Christ. You have been pardoned. You have been acquitted. Now, again, there are things that you and I may experience that will try to come against us to disrupt our faith as a believer. That's why we have to hold fast to our profession. That's why it's important that we know the word of God. But if our beliefs about God is wrong, beloved, you will never approach God on the right terms. And although you may be a believer, I I never come into the fullness of what really belongs to me because I am approaching God out of guilt, condemnation, or misinformation. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to make a donation and support this ministry as we expand the kingdom of God, please visit ShekinahGloryFC.com or download our church app from iTunes App Store or Google Play by searching Shekinah Glory FC and click Give to make your donation.